Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and I hope you are enjoying this series from 2023. The 50 most relevant, looking at who I think are the players that we must have a conversation about for Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy. Midway through the teens today, number 16 is Connor Rosie. Joining me on this episode, he's the lone Port Adelaide fan of the coaches panel, but that's not the reason he's on. He's genuinely on because I love his takes on a bunch of different things. Keen to hear what he has to say about Connor. Louis is back. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. And yeah, uh, thanks for getting me on, especially for one of my boys, Connor Rosie. Uh, super excited to talk about this guy and uh, someone who really uh, sort of made his mark on the competition last year, uh, despite a bit of a slow start. So uh, I don't think anybody uh, after round four would have expected us to be talking about Connor Rosie this year. No, 100% not. And even in some draft leagues, he was getting thrown back into the player pool. Man, that came back to burn you, didn't it? A top score last year of 144 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team against his crosstown rivals, the Adelaide Crows. That's also a career-high score. While in that same game, not just seasonal high, but career-high Supercoach scores to a 162. He retains his mid-forward eligibility for us, which is really important. There was a thought amongst the community that maybe that big kind of two-thirds run of the season as a midfielder heavily might be enough to lose forward status, not under the eyes, though, of champion data. His average of 88.1 in fantasy and dream team means he's set at a price point of $300 shy in Dream Team of 800k, while he's 780,000 in AFL Fantasy. An average of 93.3 in Supercoach means if you want to buy him this year, it'll set you back at a price point of $513,800. And Louis, you've already alluded to it, but that first month of the season, not just for Connor, he was very indicative of what was happening with his entire Port Adelaide side, to be fair. Nothing worked. Nothing was going the way they'd hoped or planned. And then crazily enough, by the end of the year, he picks up 14 Brownlow medals, wins the club BNF, and even gets himself in the 22 of the All-Australian squad. It was a remarkable turnaround after such a slow start as a deep forward 50 option. For sure, mate. And 14 Brownlow medals, that would be some effort. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Mate. Vote. Vote. <laughs> no pressure, Connor. That's no what pressure Kane at all. is expecting of him, mate. 14 Brownlow medals. Well, I don't see no Sam Walsh in this 50 most relevant <laughs> this year. So he's got that one up on him, doesn't he? <laughs> no, but uh, it was a slow start to the season for Connor. He was camped up forward. And yeah. uh, look, some of these scores, 21, 48, 54, 55. Team it's, in fantasy. it's no wonder coaches were turning up their toes at him and throwing him back in the pool. And uh, to some extent, I think the coaches at Port Adelaide were as well, which is why it was sort of a bit of a blessing in disguise because uh, round five versus Carlton after half time when Port were down, we saw that the coaches tried to shuffle the decks and, and try something different. And Connor Rosie was thrown into that midfield. And that was the first ton that we saw for the year from him with a 113. And uh, didn't he take off from there? And that's why we we're talking about him today because this guy, once given the opportunity was able to show um, not only fantasy coaches, but the competition that 
he is a genuine midfielder. And when given the opportunity, um, he's got what it takes. He certainly does. Uh, across the season, he averaged 88 in Dream Team and Fantasy. That puts him by average anyways, the sixth highest ranked forward. Uh, nine tons across the season, including a 125 and a 144, which he got in the final round of the year. Nine scores under 80, but four of them came in that opening month under that really challenging role that Louis alluded to. Supercoach, 93.3 was his average across the year with nine tons. And his three 120-plus scores were just monsters, by the way. 153, 154, and one. 62. Like in Fantasy and Dream Team, he did have nine scores under 80, but again, four of them were pre-roll change, which was almost out of necessity. No Ollie Wines in that Carlton game. Midfielder looking absolutely disheveled. Let's throw him in. But the overall season doesn't tell the story. Let's break it down from round five when that roll change hit. 97.7 in Fantasy and Dream Team, 102.6 in Supercoach. Um, as a reference point, that 18-week average, if you want to contrast that to the current forwards we have, that would put him by average ranked third in Dream Team and Fantasy and second in Supercoach. Good thing is the data trend keeps getting stronger. In the final 11 games of the year, so once the buy hits, a 101.5 average in Fantasy and Dream Team and 106.8 in Supercoach. And in the final seven matches of the year, a 110 average in Fantasy and Dream Team and 112 in Supercoach. It's numbers like this, Louis, that make people just go, I'm just going to pick him because he's value. He's as good as every other forward in this line. And maybe I'm just overthinking it. That really is the popular conversation coming out from the fantasy community so far this year. Yeah, you're right, MJ. And he's one of those few players uh, in the competition this year where you can really just point to baked in value. So we know that next year he's not going to be camped up deep forward we think no. in fact we're fairly confident that he's going to be a main rotation in this midfield group at Port Adelaide and and there's a big reason for that because they uh they don't actually have a lot of depth in that position and that's why he no. was thrown in there in the first place so you know we're only looking at about six players one of which came in this year through the uh through the trade period so we're looking at Butters, Wines, Jason Horn, Francis, Drew, Boak and then Rosie as that as that um mm. sixth one and uh, what Rosie um, presents in that group, maybe aside from Butters, is that he just brings the energy to the midfield group. He's yeah, not that he big ball. He's he's always on his toes. He's he's getting those um, he's getting those handballs out to use his uh, disposal to to move it forward, and then he's pushing forward as well. And he is hitting the scoreboard. He's I wouldn't call him that forward ball like a Dusty or something, but no. But geez, you know, he could go close. He, he is that sort of new hybrid uh, mid forward where he can damage you in the guts and then push forward and, and really hurt you uh, on the scoreboard too, which is, which is why we're so excited about him. Yeah, it certainly is. And why, when you look at the ownership right now across the format, again, before I tell you what it is, the ownership should never be a defining factor of picking someone. It's an informing factor around it. And that's why we bring it up. It's not, oh, everyone's on him, go get him, or no one's on him, go pick him. It's not the point. It just helps understand information. But right now, 36% of super coaches, 42% of AFL fantasy, and 41% of dream team coaches are all picking him for that reason, Louis. They see what he did in the back 7, 11, 18 games of the year. They see his price point and go, I've got a minimum of 10 points per game 
of value built in to value built into this guy, I suppose. Um, as the port supporter of the podcast, you've mentioned that midfield mix. Historically, it's wines that gets the tag. And again, it's not super popular across there. Does Connor get the tag if anyone out of this Port Adelaide midfield group? Look, I think this year uh, coaches will have taken notice of what Rosie was able to do last year. Uh, he was a massive barometer for Port. And look, he won the best in Ferris. Uh, most people in the competition know that now. So they're going to have a big red circle around his name come uh, match day. And they probably are going to start putting some attention into him. So that's where we do hope that a bit of natural progression, a bit of extra responsibility for the role, that he still builds on top of that. And you mentioned yeah. that, look, this guy has you know 10 points upside. When you come in priced at 88 and you can say that, wow, this guy might go 98. Well, all of a sudden you're looking at a, at a top six forward, someone that you can start in your team Correct. undervalued and not have to use a trade on. So he just becomes so much more valuable because of that as well. And when you come in, what, 50 to 100K cheaper than those three big dogs in the forward line, mm -hmm. Dunkley, Taranto and Cornelio, then all of a sudden, you know, you can free up a little bit of cash to use elsewhere, which is why I'm sure he is so popular in all these formats. I'm curious. You mentioned those three names just for us there. A couple of days ago, uh, was on a podcast with Rids talking about Stephen Cornelio. And um, he made this reference around him. The reason I didn't mention Taranto or Dunkley is they have not yet appeared in the 50 most relevant Let's be honest, we all know they do, but where is the question? He made this interesting statement about Cornelio, that Cornelio at his best for not just a stretch of games last year, but over his career, when he's at 60% plus centre bounce midfielder, he's a monstrous scorer and can take a season away from you. Do you see that same level of potential with Rosie? That's something that I'd have to look into my crystal ball for MJ because <laughs> look, in glimpses, he definitely showed that he can take that level up, but we yep. don't know what he's like as a full-time midfielder. So when, when he did season, attend yeah. more than 60% CBAs, he went at 95 fantasy points, mm. which is still seven points upside. But like we said, natural progression, uh, a preseason training as a midfielder. Preseason, a bit more confidence to say, look, I'm a BNF winner. You know, I'm I'm here in the guts alongside a Brownlow medalist and and whoever else joins him at the time. I think there's a bit of you know a bit of swagger about that, and I mm. I can definitely see that. You know, it, look, if you look at those, let's talk about those four. After that, it does start to drop off as well. So to be yeah. able to go, okay, this guy's value, he's priced less than those three big dogs, two of which we'll speak about later in the 50. He, he's someone that all of a sudden you start going, well, you know, hang on. Look, this is a guy I can just keep, bank away. I don't have to worry about him. I'm, I'm confident that there's upside. And, uh, yeah, happy days. But do, do you see a world where there is downside, MJ? Because we're, we're very positive on this guy. But, you know, it's hard not to be, isn't it? It is hard not to be. I don't see a world where there's not a downside. But I genuinely do see a world where there's not much greater growth 
than a mid 90s. Now, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, that's five or six points per game. That still puts him as a top 10 forward. Happy days. Now, that's without knowing what gains we get through the year. Super coach, it's probably a little shallow of where you'd like, but I think at worst, you get what you pay for with him. That's kind of what I'm saying, MJ. So if he goes mid-90s, you know, that still puts him up in the in the top six forwards, in my opinion. So oh, And then we it know starts about right to now, drop absolutely. off as well. So, you know, to be, to be able to know that that's going to happen. Yeah. If you're looking for a narrative of why you don't start Connor, um, because as you said, there's lots of reasons to start it, is it's probably not so much about him. It's more about your structure and the other forwards you have in your team. Taranto, certainly an AFL fantasy and dream team, he's got the history of being good in super coach, but he's a 110 guy on potential that's been proven at the Giants. Cornelio's done 105 plus years, multiple years across formats. Well, Dunkley's the number one forward in the game right now. And we suspect as the fantasy community that his midfield time and as a result, his scoring output should not just maintain, but increase. The challenge becomes how do you fit Connor in and not miss the potential big three? Do you see how that midfield mix, while not super broad compared to others, um, how that sits in for him. What are you doing at F4 and F5? I know a lot of people are very pop, um, very keen on Toby McLean at F4 and then running a couple of cows at five and six. Sure. Okay. But that's where it starts to become the dilemma for people that the reason they don't go for Rosie in the starting squad um, is I would rather two or three bigger guys and I'll, I'll pay up for that. Um, uh, but there's if someone's like, I don't want Rosie, I want Butters, I'd be fine with that too because I, I don't think they're that far apart either if they both stay fit and healthy. Um, so I think that's where it is. It's not if you don't pick Rosie, it's not because you're anti-Rosie. It's more you probably just like others a little bit more and the, and the dollar figure doesn't matter to you too much. That MJ, and also you know, it's it's valid to be worried about the tag. So, like oh, I said, we, we, yeah. when you've got a midfield group of Butters, Wines, Horn, Francis, Drew, and Boak, I mean, you 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 might tag Wines if he's if he's really on. Obviously, a Brownlow sure. medalist, but look, he's been under an injury cloud the whole off season. He's he's been in for surgery. Um, I think it was just pre Christmas, but working back into it, there was an article yeah. on the on the AFL website. Uh, Butter's probably not ready to be tagged. We just haven't seen it yet. He's another breakout candidate potentially. Horn Francis, he's not going to cop it. Uh, Drew, no, you know, he's that guy in there who applies the pressure. He he Correct. he helps the other mids rise above. And, yes. and folk, let's be honest, he's entering um, his latter years, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's ousted back to that half forward flank in in favour of some of these. Um, newer, fresher, and uh, and faster guys. So that's probably where I could build a case to say, look, Connor Rosie up against Brisbane round one, and then look, maybe he gets a couple of tags in the first couple of rounds, and I'm worried about that, and I want to get a jump by by picking somebody else. But yeah, you know, to to as an umbrella to all that, and as we said before, I, I do think with the baked in upside that this guy has, uh, he's one of those guys where you know you, you can you can pick him for the rest of the year and, and well, be happy with yeah. that. 
I think you definitely can. So often in the fantasy community, we we pick and choose stats that fit our narrative. So we look at Connor and go from round five, he was a premium. He absolutely was. But he did what he did in the first four weeks. And the reason he was forward was because historically he's shown he's a classy, crafty, smart user of the ball inside forward 50. And even when you go through the center bounce attendances um, for Port Adelaide from last year, even when he goes on the tear of these big movements into the forward, into the midfield and less time, he is still spending significant amount of times not attending a center bounce from round five onwards for Connor Rosie. There is, I think, three games that he attends 70% center bounces or more. Now he's still scoring well in these, but he's still forward a lot. There's multiple games where he's in the fifties, even in the round 22 clash against Essendon, 46% CBAs. Now he's scoring in these, but to think that he's going to be a 75% center bounce midfielder, I just don't see that, not because he can't, but because I don't think Port want to lose that weapon up forward. Um, Yes, they've got Fantasia. Yes, they've got Junior Rioli. Yes, they've got some really talented tools. But when you've got a potential game breaker that you want to get inside forward 50, man, you still got to find a way to use that lever as well. So uh, for me, I see the value of Rosie. For me, I see the picture that the the story of the year is. There's some hot moments and some moments we all wish we forget. I'm with you. I think if a tag's coming every, anywhere to Port Adelaide, it's coming to Connor. Um, and I'm fascinated to see how he handles that. And, and that's regard- where those, sorry to cut you off, MJ, no. but that's where those acquisitions in Willie Rioli and Evans, uh, Fantasia coming back uh, potentially, that's where it might help him as well because all of a sudden you've got this dangerous small forward line where Rosie might be able to float in and, and cop that second, third, fourth small defender. And Correct. let's be honest, if he does get that, he might run rings around them and get those yeah. extra oh, absolutely. forward. And, but this is a guy, when you go through the stat line, he really does fill every every stat line. And look, on, on the disposals, tick, marks, he's always running off for marks, trying to get that outside ball. He hits the scoreboard. And then... Even though he's a little bit of a a slight guy, he's definitely growing into his body now. You look definitely at some a little of these bigger than tackle counts, ago. you know, eight, six, seven, seven, six, five. He's he's getting involved in the play and he's he's just building his score in a lot of different ways where you can actually be confident that this guy might be rising his floor along with his average. So you might not be burnt as badly starting him. And I'm not saying you'll be burnt, but no, no, agree. Just provides more confidence that, look, if this guy gets shoehorned into a forward pocket for a quarter or two, he's still going to be providing that forward pressure. He's still going to be spreading off a mark. He might hit the scoreboard. There's just numerous ways that this guy can can score because he is so talented. And look, He's going to have coaches, um, AFL coaches, that is, worried this year. And oh, for a good reason. Without doubt. With, absolutely with good reason. As you've heard us process through this podcast, the reasons to start Rosie, there's plenty. The reasons to miss him are not actually anything to do with Connor. 
It's more to do with how you balance and structure out the rest of your side. And remember, just because you don't start him doesn't mean you can't trade into him. And not like, oh, wait till after the buy. Two or three weeks, one or two weeks, if you're like, oh, man, I overthought this. I overanalyzed this. Oh, my other guy around that mid-price range in the high 80s, early 90s is dying. Adjust, react. You've got so many trades in limited trades, let alone in AFL fantasy, where you're using a lot of correctional trades over the first two to three weeks. If you see something, adjust it. Absolutely do that. Don't make it worse by being stubborn and proud. So whether you start him, whether you choose to build against him, but try to find a way into him during the year, he's a fascinating player to look and see what happens. Drafts, Louis, interests me too. He's an F1, no doubt. I'm interested on your take. Rids made this comment the other day on the Stephen Canelio podcast where he was using a bit of hyperbole, but he's making a point. You could be a case for Dunkley, Canelio, and Taranto to all be amongst the first players picked on draft eight. Such is their capacity to be the clearance of prem in their line, let alone the capacity to be maybe even one of the best performers in the game. He won't get drafted before those three. Where do you start to see him getting picked on draft eight, knowing that he will be an F1 no matter what? I think he's straight on the turn, MJ. So a lot of coaches will either favor a Dunkley Taranto Cogs if they're going to select them in the first round or mm-hmm. or an abundance of midfielders, right? But I, I think um, if somebody can um, use their first pick on a midfielder, for example, Dunkley, Canelio, potentially gone, and a Taranto, maybe, uh, then straight on that turn, I think Rosie will be gone. So sec- second round uh, is where I've got him, I think. Yeah, I, I can definitely see coaches going for the early second in AFL fantasy and dream team and even super coach to some extent. It, what'll be fascinating to me to see and, and watch as people start to do their drafts is how desperate are they to secure an F1, like a big F1 of one of the likely super five? Um, or are they happy to take a little bit of a skimp and cop, say, a Goulden as a player if we've talked about in the 50 and get him in the third round, but lock in some bigger mids that might slide a little more than previous years? I don't think either are wrong strategies. I'm just fascinated to see how it starts to happen. Because once you do your draft, that really helps you realize if your ranks were helpful or not. Hey, Louis, you've been a superstar on this podcast. Thank you for your work, my friend. Thank you very much, MJ. If you want to go and check out the article on Connor or any of the other players we've revealed so far, the good news is coachespanel.tv is the place where you can go and check it all out. Uh, If you're loving the podcast, make sure you've followed, uh, got the notifications on so that as soon as we drop the podcast live to your device, you get notified and leave a five-star rating and review. If you are loving this podcast series, it's one of the ways others that are looking for fantasy footy content on your podcast platforms can help find the coaches panel. In a minute, I'll give you a quick clue about who's at number 15. But if you are loving this series from the coaches panel and what you're getting so far in our articles, podcasts, and a bunch of other stuff, We'd appreciate if you jump jump on and become part of our Patreon supporter group for a couple of bucks a month. It helps cover some of the costs we have, helps us be able to do what we do, and we'll kick you some exclusive content as well. 
some hidden group access to some things, depending on the tier you jump in. For a few bucks a month, you can make a big, big difference and get some extra, extra content from us. So number 15 in the 50 most relevant. Oh, he's an interesting one. Here's what I'll say. He changed clubs in the off season. And I don't think many people are talking about him. And they should be. But then when you look at the ownership across some formats, it's obvious that maybe everybody is just assuming that this is an obvious pick. Who are we talking about? You'll find out tomorrow on the 50 Most Relevant. Yeah.